Hello, my name is Max Kirkham, executive producer for It's Personal, and today I'm speaking with my fellow interviewer here on the podcast, Sam Sivarella, about her performance from our survival show in May 2020. It's always a joy to spend time with Sam, and this story about a crisis at 30,000 feet will have you rolling in the aisles and swearing off Spirit Airlines forever. So grab your air sickness bags, brace for impact, and let's get personal. to Orlando, Florida. The year is 2000. 9-11 hasn't happened yet. So buckle your seatbelt or don't. The choice is entirely yours to make. None of you have cell phones yet, but if anyone does have a large electronic device, do turn that off as it can cause us to crash into another aircraft on takeoff. (laughs) I hope this quick hello hasn't made anyone panic especially you, 11-year-old Sam, on her way to Disney World. I do hope you're okay. I wasn't. This was my third time on a plane, and even then I knew Spirit Airlines was not the right choice when it came to air travel. (sighs) I sat at the window, my mom took the aisle seat, and my dad and brother were on the other side of the aircraft. Even though I was 11, I knew that airplanes were not my preferred method of transportation. I was a little control freak and uh, the thought of being hurled into the sky on an Airbus where I couldn't even see who was driving was alarming to me. But I was going to Disney. So I put on a brave face adjusted my bangs and settled in for the long two-hour flight to Florida. Now the flight from New Jersey to Orlando is an arduous one. It's full of weather. When the sky is full of weather, the airplane experiences turbulence. When the airplane experiences turbulence, I experience panic. Now, my mom doesn't mind flying, so for once in my life, her presence was calming to me. She handed me a bag of crayons and set me to work on my next artistic endeavor. And suddenly, bam! We hit a brick wall in the middle of the North Atlantic. Who put this here? How was it staying in the sky? And how were we hitting it now? Fall, we plummet. It was like the Tower of Terror, except you didn't shoot back up and see ghosts. Well, I shot back up because I wasn't wearing a seatbelt. So as the plane went down, I went up directly into the overhead storage bin. (laughs) That's right, when I came back down, the whole plane (gasps) gasped. I still remember the faces of those within a four row radius of me. 
was this the end? I looked over at my dad. He knew it was the end. My brother hadn't quite caught on that it was the end because he had his arms up in the air. Like he was on a roller coaster, smiling, screaming, like we were about to take a huge turn on Thunder Mountain Railroad. My mom merely went and continued reading her People magazine. Had we all died? Was this how death began? Where life simply left off? I'm just glad it didn't hurt. <laughs> well, except for the head injury from the ceiling. The captain came on the radio. <sighs> Sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. We hit an air pocket and the safest thing to do was drop below it. There will be emergency crews on the ground when we land in Orlando. Makes mental note to seek out emergency crews to discuss brain damage. We have begun our initial descent into Orlando. I'd say we will be landing in about 20 minutes. Thank you for flying Spirit Airlines. When we landed, I was the first human off the plane. I stomped my feet and I waited and I looked for the emergency crews. And I'll just tell you right now, the emergency crews turned out to just be a gate agent with a first aid kit. However, she did rule out bleeding in the brain. So I felt settled. <laughs> Finally, my family caught up to me and I demanded we go straight to the Magic Kingdom. I figured since we had just cheated death, I deserved a churro. I would also need to speak with the real estate agent about potential properties neither Tomorrowland or Epcot because there was no way. I was getting back onto an airplane to take me back to New Jersey. Absolutely not, no way. Well, we ended up having a really nice trip. I found amazing property in Mickey's Toontown. And when I drove with my family to the airport to you know, say goodbye to them forever, I felt odd. I was tired, groggy. Totally out of it. Was this heat stroke? No. My mother slipped me a Benadryl. I was out for the entire flight. <laughs> now, most of you would probably consider being drugged and waking up in New Jersey to be a nightmare. But I was so happy to be home. <sighs> Thank you for flying Spirit Airlines, where the only thing that hangs in the air is the possibility we won't make it to your destination alive. Lord knows your bags won't. Bye-bye.
Hi, Sam. Hi, Max. <laughs> Welcome back to uh, It's Personal, the podcast. Thanks for having me. This is the very first show of this whole COVID <laughs> pandemic experience. And I think that's actually, that's where I want to kind of start off is, you know, what was this show like? You I mean, because you've been in show, you had been in shows, right? Before yeah. this one. Mm -hmm. So like, w what was different about this show for you? I mean, obviously a lot was different, but like <laughs> what in particular struck you as you know, noteworthy or what do you remember being different? Like what sticks in your head? Uh, the number one thing I remember is thinking, oh, we'll just do it this one time and we'll be back in theater. <laughs> I think a lot of people felt that way. That yeah. was literally, I was like, okay, let's like muddle through a virtual show. Let's do uh -huh. it. We'll be back in the theaters by the time we do BGP in the summer. Like that was... Mm -hmm. July was like what I thought. I was like, okay, July, let's do it. So it didn't feel really like any, it just kind of had this, uh, you know, this sense of like, oh, you know, we're going to continue making art. We're not going to let anything stop us. So there was yeah. an empowering feeling to it, but there wasn't a sense of we're going to now do an entire season mm -hmm. of virtual shows. So yeah. I went into it as a one-off and then as we, as we would later come do to you, find. Do you think that thinking that it was just going to be a one-off or something, do you think that you took different chances or do you think that you told a different story than you might've otherwise? Like if, did you, did it make you think like this is an opportunity for some reason? I definitely chose the story that I told mm -hmm. because it's funny for the live shows yeah. when we're in the theater, I, I'm really not afraid to to go there, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, there's something about the hallowed halls of a theater that makes me very comforted. And but, the safe space of its personal, too, and, I imagine. Oh, 100%. The rehearsal yeah. room at its personal is sacred ground, you know? There's never yeah. been a time where I felt scared or unsupported. It's really, it's a really special place. But being in my living room and predominantly <laughs> working on this alone, you know, because mm -hmm. we can't be face-to-face, -face, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to tell a funny story. I don't want to, like, fuck with this too much. Uh, I'm going to go with what I know. So that's why, that's kind of was my thought process in choosing what at the time was not funny. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, later on as I grew up. Yeah, I mean, it really story. is a like a true story of survival, this this tale that you told. Are you still scared of flying? Oh, Does it still worry you? My God. And have you I... been on Spirit Airlines since? First of all, no. I've never been on Spirit Airlines again. That was a one and done. Get out of my face. I'm done with you. Don't charge me $7 to bring on my purse. What are you, mad? That's crazy. No, forget do Spirit Airlines. Do they do Airlines. that still? I swear to you. Like, I was Unacceptable. trying... I was trying to book a flight, and they were like, okay, for $7, you can choose your seat. Oh, did you want to bring a personal item? That's $8. I can't even... No, Goodbye, Spirit Airlines. But I am still absolutely terrified of flying, and... This story is the first story that, like, is the reason for it. And mm. after I did this flight to and from Florida, I wouldn't fly again for, like, five or so years until I was 15. But then, funny enough, when I got on a plane to go to my cheerleading nationals in Orlando, Florida, mm. I ended up having such a severe panic attack that we had to stop taxiing. <gasps> They could the, not the whole plane had to stop taxiing. The whole plane. We had to pull out of line. And the flight attendant came over to me and with like as nice as she could be, because she uh -huh. was definitely irritated, she was like, if you don't breathe, we can't go. 
<laughs> oh I my was, god! Like, it was, I've never uh, had first. It, I don't know that that's necessarily the right thing to say to someone who's having a panic attack. <laughs> but <laughs> and then I was sitting next to a girl who had never flown on an airplane before. Period. So now she's crying, and then right. behind me I have somebody who also doesn't love to fly. Now she's crying. So I've really I set off like a cavalcade <laughs> of panic on this flight. And my coach, who was like this real like ball buster, like my cheerleading coach, was tough. Uh-huh. Um, and she just sat next to me for the first time ever and only time ever. She was like so nice to me, Aww. and I was just okay. like, yeah, l- yeah, we'll give her a okay. little credit where credit's due. Sure. Um, so she also like made us puke in the heat so whatever listen you Um, do what you gotta do to get those good results and max we were national champions every year thank you i don't doubt it I am still afraid to fly. I I really have... I can do an entire stand-up show of the funny moments I have based on my panic yeah. on flights, but I got hypnotized recently. Uh, for flying? Like around for this year? For flying. Yes. And it worked. Really? It's so crazy. My friend, she practices Reiki amongst other things, and she was just like, why don't you just like do a session with me? Like, Just try it. Like, If it works, great. You're not going to be afraid of flying. If it doesn't, whatever. You're still in the same boat. Right. And I was like, okay. Sure. We went through this this whole, like she put me under, I guess, like you would say. Mm-hmm. I did that in quotes because I don't know how to describe <laughs> that. Um, in a trance or something. In a trance, yeah. And she walked me through this exercise. And I remember feeling nothing, like nothing really, except really relaxed when I was done. Mm -hmm. And then I had to fly in like two weeks and I got on the plane and I was like, I was sitting there, I was by myself and I was just like, okay, I hate flying. Here we go. And then we get up in the air and we immediately hit turbulence. And that's usually when like, I go full bridesmaid scene, like it's the end. I was just in my head. I just kept thinking, I don't like this, but. That's fine. Okay, that's definitely was, a different right? uh, a different experience. It I, it has changed everything. We're now and also my boyfriend is a pilot. Fun fact. Now when we fly together, he's always just like, okay, like this is has to happen in order for it to crash. But he has such that attitude where he thinks saying the word crash is like okay. And I'm like, first of all, <laughs> I know you're trying to help, but if you say if the plane's gonna crash. I, I think we're in we're in trouble. My brain goes to we're crashing. Did you just say yeah. we're crashing? He's like, okay, two engines have to fail and then you crash. And I'm like, don't say crash. Mm-hmm. Have you been in a plane that had that sort of like terrifying, like real drop out of the sky? Like since this experience that you had that you talked about in this piece? In recent memory, two instances come to mind. One, this woman fell asleep next to me before we took off and she was in like an ambient induced stupor. So when we started going into the air, she like Garfield the cat like style went to the window and started screaming, we're crashing. Oh my God, we're crashing. Oh no. She was like in a medicated panic. Yeah. She just felt the plane literally just taking off and started screaming, oh my God, we're crashing. So she went to a 10. I went to a 40 and I could never be outdone. I started screaming back at her. What? What are you talking about? Obviously nobody else is panicking. It's just me and this woman. Right. For the rest of the flight, I just kept like under my breath being like this fucking bitch. I didn't care if she heard me. I was so mad that she ruined my flight experience she had set you off yeah absolutely uh and then i flew to vegas like four years ago which i thought would be the easiest flight of my life like a 45 minute flight right and so we literally we got up this is that i'm sober now Mm -hmm. but i drank at the time and i had barely finished my heineken and they were like we're going down like we're landing not we're going down jesus could you imagine (laughs) 
It's a different story. Um, and the pilot comes, the captain comes on. He goes, ladies and gentlemen, we're about to descend. Uh, please put those seatbelts on. It is rather windy. Mm. And I was like, okay, wind. Well, <laughs> we're landing. And I. it's so bumpy that the woman next to me is praying out loud. Oh, my God. <laughs> sure. And I'm journaling. I'm literally writing down just in case this ends in, like, the end. I'm writing down the entire experience. <laughs> As if the journal won't be consumed in the fireball. As if it wouldn't just completely burn. But I'm writing it all down just in case, you know. And I'm because I had to occupy myself. And I'm looking. I'm at the window seat, and I'm looking at the tarmac. And I'm like, oh my god, we're so close. Even if we do crash right now, we're good. Like it just bumps and bruises. And then a wind gust shoots us back up into the air. Oh no. <laughs> This happened that something sort of like that happened to me in Vegas where we started coming down. It wasn't like we didn't get that close, though, before we went, we came down and then we immediately shot back into the sky. And but no one told us what was happening. Like it wasn't until we actually circled all the way around Las Vegas, it seemed like just to come back in for that landing. When we were on the ground, they said, oh, there were crosswinds on the runway. <laughs> Got it. The moment that sticks with me really from your story is when you flew while flying. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that at all like what it was like to shoot out of your seat and also why weren't you wearing your seatbelt i i think i mentioned it in the piece that it was pre 9 11 so it was really rowdy in the sky so you could do whatever you wanted <laughs> oh, right. when you flew you just walked to the plane there was no security they were like hi are you having a good day do you feel like you're gonna cause any problems no carry on <laughs> um so i didn't have a seatbelt on and I was a tiny kid. Like, I was just, like, bones. Like, that's all I consisted of. Mm. So that's how dramatic the drop was. Uh-huh. And I re you know that feeling you get in your stomach when you go, like, down a drop? Mm -hmm. I had that, but I was also, like, now lightheaded because my body was physically going with the drop. Right. And the whole plane went, <gasps> like, in unison. Which is, that's when you're 11 years old. You're like, wow, okay, that's the end. What happened? Because I, I guess I'm not completely sure from the piece. You hit an air pocket and you fell or you decelerated quickly or... Maybe I can get Mark in here to like tell us the actual like scientific logistics <laughs> of what happened. I don't need the physics. Uh, I just need the... <laughs> but what I was told is that we hit an air pocket and the safest way... Like, because I guess air pockets, you can travel through them, but it like will mm -hmm. really jostle you. So the oh. safest mm -hmm. way to avoid them is to drop out of them. Mm -hmm. I see. It happened very fast. So the reaction was what felt so dramatic. Right. Because as soon as it dropped, we were as if nothing happened. <laughs> it was just like, zhunk, we're good. Right. It was like two seconds I would change my life forever. <laughs> so I wouldn't say, I probably in the story say that I hit my head on the ceiling, but I've been known you to did. exaggerate. You make a big point of uh, asking the uh, health team afterwards to check for brain damage. Yeah, I've been dramatic my entire life. Like, I actually do remember them saying, like, there's going to be emergency services on the runway. And I, like, looked at my mom <laughs> being like, we're going to be the first in line. We are checking. Did you see me fly just now? Because she and my mom does not care about flying. I think she never looked up from the People magazine <laughs> the entire time this was happening. But my dad really hates flying. Uh -huh. And my dad is like, 
his whole steez is like being a tough guy. Like he is a third degree black belt. He like trained security guards and like how to take down assailants and disarm guns. Like, yeah, like it's hilarious. He's Robert De Niro and meet the parents. Okay. In his mind. Like that's who he thinks he is. And so I look at him and he is gone. Like mentally, he's checked out. Like, he's like, I've accepted that this is our fate. We are going to die. This is the moment. So I look at my dad. I'm like, wow, like he fights bad guys for a living. Yikes. Lisa's reading a book and my brother like arms up Woo, this is the best and I'm like this is this is the end I need to be checked out and the whole plane like Max you have to understand when I tell you I can imagine I probably I'm usually pretty stoic when it comes to flying but if we dropped suddenly as a Jew even I feel like I'd be saying the Santa Maria <laughs> I used to, I literally used to carry a rosary bead with me, like abuela <laughs> style, like wrapped around my wrist, like I was my own nonna, and I would have indents. Oh my God. Those of you who aren't Catholic, a rosary bead is not jewelry, but you pray on it. It's both. It's four-man function. Yeah, it's real. honestly, use it for whatever. And I can see it as I tell you the story. I can see what the plane looked like. Mm-hmm. I think the the safest I've ever felt on a plane was when I was going to Israel and uh, I was on El Al, which is like the Israeli uh, airplane. And there is security before you go into the line to check in at the front desk. There is security when you're getting your bags checked. I mean, the TSA is just beyond. Before you get onto the plane, there's security. And then it's all Hasidic Jews on the plane who are literally there, like, dominating and praying the entire time. And I was like, look, if any plane had a divine mandate to make it to Israel, it's this one right here. Oh, my God. Okay, first place I'm traveling after the pandemic, I'm going to Israel. This Gentile is coming in, people. That's why I love airport security. Mm. I love it. TSA. You might be, uh, you might be the only... Uh... I'll wait in line for hours, Max. <laughs> Check every shoe. Yikes. <laughs> Protect the skies. You mentioned at one point uh, at the end of your piece, and we have actually alluded to this already, that your mother drugged you to get you back. <laughs> she didn't even realize that that was happening. Uh, how do you feel about that? You know, listen. <laughs> it is what it is at this point? Uh, I'm kind of grateful. I mean, I talked about this event the whole time we were in Disney. <laughs> oh my God, it must have been interminable. Yeah, I like, I am like, just like a little, like, indignant 11 year old, <laughs> just being like, I know you were all going home. I'm staying here. I'm uh, gonna live in the big giant Epcot ball. I, like I said, I found real estate in Mickey's Toontown. Someone's gonna hire me to do something here. I can feel it. Um, so. My, this is not Lisa's first dabbling with children's Benadryl either. Mm. You know, I feel like road trips, things like that, I don't have recollections of them because <laughs> I've been drugged. And in this case, as someone who then would drug herself mm. later on in life, there you go. I mean, there's the John Mulaney does a whole bit about how he goes to get Xanax saying he's afraid of flying. That's real. I haven't said, I don't know that I know that bit. So he does this whole thing where he doesn't like flying either. Mm -hmm. And his friend is like, just go to the doctor and be like, I am afraid of flying. And they will give you Xanax. Like, it's not even up for debate. Okay. And it's this whole thing. He goes and like ends up having to have like a rectal exam because he <laughs> says that he's like, he's not there because he's afraid of flying. He's actually afraid because he's like, his, something's going on with his digestion <laughs> or something. It's really, really funny. But I went into an urgent care and I was like, hi, I hate flying. Like, we'll be horrible in the air. And before I got those words, out, my doctor was writing a script for Xanax. 
and for a whole thing of Xanax. Oh, like wow. that's what's wrong with the pharmaceutical yeah. world. They like not just let like, me give oh. you three pills for your flights or whatever. They give me like twenty five Xanax. Well, you are you're a you're a jet setter, right? You're traveling all over, highfalutin. <laughs> you do this for yeah. work, right? Yeah, up in the air. I'm George. You're George Clooney, correct? I'm like that's me. You're that's George me. Clooney. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, how, uh, how is the rest of your family taken to flying? Does your brother, like, look for the turbulence? Is your brother, like, a thrill seeker? <laughs> okay. First of all, I can't wait to send him this because he's always so afraid he's going to end up in anything I speak about. <laughs> okay, well, this is the moment. <laughs> so, Brandon, my brother, he hate he actually hates roller coasters. Oh. Um, but he doesn't mind flying. There's actually so many funny stories about Brandon on roller coasters. Like this actual, uh-huh. the same Disney trip. We get to Disney and my dad, who clearly hadn't learned from the trauma of the day before, he's like, okay, mm. we're going on your first ride in Disney, Haunted Mansion. <sighs> that's the one, that's like Tower of Terror now, right? No, Haunted Mansion is like, you sit in like the doom buggy and you go around and they're like, uh, friendly ghosts come out to socialize. Uh-huh. Oh, um, right. Right, right, right. So right, fake right. ghosts, but we're 11 and 8. So my brother, like, he loses his mind on this ride. Like, I hear him. Like, I'm with my mom and my grandmother in uh-huh. our doom buggy, and I hear him with my dad. He's going, Dad, no! He's legitimately, right. he feels betrayed. Why am I subjected to this? I mean, when I tell you he went on no other rides the whole time we were there. <laughs> so who really suffered? Us. <laughs> But he does not go on roller coasters. And he actually flew out here with me when I moved to California. And when we landed, I remember him saying to me, like, yo, you are miserable to fly with. And I was like, why? And he's like, you fell asleep the minute we started moving. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, bro. And I, like, shook my pillbox. I was like, yeah, bro. I have to. Don't you remember the existential crisis the four of us had together? It's so funny because thank God my brother isn't like my quote unquote fact checker because when I am done doing its personal show or I am done doing stand up, that man is standing nearby going, what do you tell these people? What are you doing? (laughs) Is that how you think that happened? I I laugh because it's like, I'm not lying. It's truly how I remember it, but his experience, I'm at a 90 at all times and my brother is so much more balanced than I. interesting yeah we're, okay. we're like opposites but um so he it's funny like when he, when he watched this show because my family could because it was virtual he called me afterwards and he's just like i i don't know if you hit your head on the ceiling like i don't i don't know if you did that and i'm like first of all you were eight what do you know because he got like wings from spirit airlines like a flight attendant gave him did you get wings you think I got wings? Are you kidding me? They escorted me off the plane. They were like, your brother was really brave. Get off the plane. Like, <laughs> you earned those wings. You should take uh, You should take them from your brother. Um, what was the, uh, the creation of this piece like? Because you've been in other, it's personal episodes, you know that we didn't really have the kinds of uh, rehearsals that we have. Um, although I know that Liz and Riley did work with us individually on these pieces. I was in the show as well. What was that process like for you? It was interesting because we didn't have activities. So I, in Mm -hmm. my brain, I was just like, okay, well, since I don't have to like use my hands to do an activity, 
I'm just going to use my body as a battering ram, essentially, which is my approach to comedy. So I Mm. wrote the piece around the physicality of this whole thing. I mean, if you go back and watch it, like, I'm up, I'm down, I'm over here, I'm yelling Mm -hmm. as a flight attendant. Like, so I I actually felt like I had a bit more freedom in a very different way. Because when you're you're doing its personal standard structure for someone like me who can go off on tangents and become ungrounded right. the model of its personal is actually really appealing to me yeah. because I'm focusing on my activity I'm focusing on my words and I'm acting within that structure mm-hmm. it like forces you to synthesize your thoughts as yes well. yes and it keeps you like you you can consistently be connected to your piece because it it offers you that and so this where there's no activity I kind of went back to how I would do a stand-up show which is as you can see practically manically <laughs> which is how I, I would describe my comedy as manic <laughs> so develop developing it it was fun to be in my living room but it was really hard mm-hmm. not having reactions i'm a very egocentric person so nobody yes. laughing at me was so hard to deal with <laughs> well there's a reason why we all get into theater and if uh, anyone tells you they do it just for the art i think they're lying they're absolutely lying yeah and having people not laugh or react period like not even being able to hear like the intricacies of a live theater yeah you you couldn't even see the other performers cameras because the way that the zoom system like live stream works to youtube everyone has to keep their cameras off and you see yourself which is like unnerving i liz gave the best note i think it was in the second show that i did but she said put a post-it over your screen yeah game changer because i was so well because i was also moving around a lot i was so afraid i was going to come out of frame but yeah, it's it was definitely surreal to not be in a theater and create a piece knowing you were going to be delivering it to living, breathing people Yeah, feet away from you. Yeah, I hear that. Do you think now that the piece would be any different if you could go back and tell it again? If I can go back and tell it again, I would probably do an activity that actually didn't have a lot of physical action. Like, because I would want the story to speak for itself in, in a way. Because mm-hmm. um, even just like I'm sitting in my closet, mm-hmm. you're sitting in your room, like, and I feel like just how I talk about flying is like very over the top because there is so much fear built into it. So I would probably mm-hmm. do something um, more intricate in terms of an activity and try to keep it more small so that the story itself would be big and and that that makes any sense yeah yeah of course i like that um final question for you uh in the god what is this month nine that we're in month eight of quarantine how have you been surviving what's been keeping you going uh what has been keeping me going um honestly people talking Mm. to people and I FaceTime with people constantly. I FaceTime with my family a lot. I mean, we have our It's Personal meetings, which are so fun. Like, if you don't look forward to your meetings, you're in the wrong meetings. Like, truly. Amen. Yeah. So, and honestly, like, working with It's Personal, and I was, you know, working on the play development series and coming to our play discussion talks on the second Saturday of the month? First Saturday? Second Saturday of the month. Second Saturday of the month. I try to plug and I'm ruining it. <laughs> it's a plug. It's a plug. But those little things, these little moments that bring back community to an otherwise really separated experience, yeah. that's been what's getting me through. And, um, I like I watched all of Dexter from the beginning. I had never done that for the first time. For the first time, love that show. But, um, at, yeah, at TV and and community has really you know has really gotten me through this. And just the little yeah. things you can do to stay connected and 
It's personal has been such a, a little lifesaver in an otherwise kind of bleak existence, but there's constantly creative stuff going on in our community. And it, it's nice to be have, you know, we've been doing podcast episodes. We've been doing, mm-hmm. you know, the shows and coming to the shows and just having them on YouTube and listening to the podcast and, you know, there's all this stuff around. And then because of its personal connecting with other theater companies, what are they up to? And, you know, yeah, absolutely. joining all of these other community things. And I think it's a, it's a whole new way of like going outside of your comfort zone because you're still in your most comfortable place, your house. Right. But you're like, oh, my God, I'm going to go to like so-and-so's theater. Oh, my God, this is crazy. I I'm know. on Zoom. Uh, so, yeah, that's what's helping me yeah. survive. Good. People. Well, <laughs> well, Sam, thank you so much for uh, sharing this story with us and for uh, talking with me about it today. Uh, we are about to jump into another uh, another episode, um, which I guess in the order that these episodes come out, this episode's actually going to come out after the podcast we're about to do, where you interview me. So yeah. I guess we'll see you in the future past. I'll see you in the future past. I love that. It kind of, time is a, it doesn't matter anymore. So. Uh, it doesn't. Who cares? <laughs> uh, thanks for having me, as always. Of course. Bye. Bye. It's Personal is a live storytelling show with a twist. You can find tickets to future shows in the 2021 season at itspersonalonstage.com or in the link in our Instagram bio, at It's Personal on Stage. While you're on our website, take a second to catch up with our blog. Sign up for a class or two. Invest in a membership and explore our store for the coolest merch in town. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.